It's 11 minutes before the hour. You're listening to Raven Radio, KCAW Sitka. Today is Thursday, January 28, 2021. I'm Erin Fulton with Raven News. The Assembly has taken another step towards selling the former Sitka Community Hospital building. When it met on Tuesday, it approved a $30,000 appropriation that will go toward an appraisal and inspection of the property. The Southeast Alaska Regional Health Consortium bought the business, but not the building, in 2019. Search now leases the building to house the long-term care clinic and recently signaled an interest in purchasing the property as part of its hospital expansion plan. The Assembly will likely seek competitive bids and will need to decide whether to put the property sale out to an advisory vote of the public in the next municipal election, although it's not required. In other business, the Assembly approved a $75,000 grant application to the Department of Homeland Security. If the city receives the grant, it will fund the installation of a communications repeater at Mud Bay on Kruzoff Island. According to a memo from Sitka Police Chief Robert Beatty, the radio infrastructure would improve radio coverage that's crucial for the city to respond to emergencies in remote areas. The Assembly also unanimously granted an appeal made by Andrew and Becky Frisky after they were denied a refund of sales tax paid on home construction. Sitka illustrator Michaela Goad was awarded one of the highest honors in children's literature this week. Goad, who is Shinkit, is the first Indigenous person to win the Caldecott Medal for her work on We Are Water Protectors. KCAW's Erin McKinstry reports. Earlier this week, Michaela Goad thought she was signing on to an ordinary Zoom call with her small publishing team. Instead, she was met with a group of new faces, congratulating her on her win. I was completely caught off guard and I didn't really even know what to say beyond just thank you like a million times. (laughs) The Caldecott Medal is awarded annually by the American Library Association to the artist of the most distinguished children's picture book. It's kind of like the pinnacle for for kids books they call it like the oscars of kids books so it's a dream i think a lot of us have and it was definitely a far-fetched dream like maybe one day if i'm lucky the 15-person award committee chose we are water protectors from more than 100 other children's books sent to them by publishing companies chair anisha jeffries says the book was chosen for its powerful message and its captivating illustrations you know we're looking at the beautiful illustrations by Michaela. It just gave an overwhelming pictorial presentation throughout the book, and she was able to breathe so much life into the story. The book urges activism to protect water and other natural resources. Author Carol Lindstrom was inspired by Indigenous-led movements like the 2016 demonstrations against the Dakota Access Pipeline. When Goad read the story, she knew immediately that she wanted to illustrate it. Just Growing up in Southeast Alaska, um, being Clinket, like people of the tides, water is a way of life here, and it is our life here in so many different ways. So that core theme really resonated. Code is a member of the Kiksudi clan of Sitka and the Clinket and Haida Indian tribes of Alaska. She made national headlines as the first indigenous person and the first BIPOC woman to win the award. I think it's important to to look at that and digest it and acknowledge and reflect on being the first in the in the world's 83 year history while also just being excited for the future and and just know that there have been a lot of big strides in the publishing industry in the last few years 
Goad also received attention late last year when her drawing of Alaskan Native leader Elizabeth Paradovich was featured on Google's Doodle of the Day. She says some of the most powerful recognition she's received is from Indigenous children and their parents. She hopes this book and the honor help elevate their voices. To help Indigenous children feel seen and validated and in adults, uh, and to know that their voices and their stories are um, worthy, you know, of everyone lifting them up. We fight for those who cannot fight for themselves. The winged ones, the crawling ones, the four-legged, the two-legged, the plants, trees, rivers, lakes, the earth. We are all related. Goad's next book is a collaboration with author Tasha Spillett-Sumner called I Sing You Down from the Stars. It comes out in April. She's also working on a book set in southeast Alaska that focuses on traditional food gathering and generational knowledge. Reporting in Sitka, I'm Erin McKinstry. A man accused of killing a young woman in the southeast village of Cake will now stand trial in Juneau. As KFSK's Joe Vicknicki reports, the presiding judge agreed with the prosecutor that the COVID-19 pandemic would make it difficult to hold a jury trial this year in Petersburg. Jade Williams was found unresponsive on August 15, 2017 in her hometown of Cake. Efforts to revive her failed. She was 19. Isaac David Friday, now 28, is accused of strangling her to death. A Sitka grand jury indicted him in late 2019. He was arrested in eastern Washington and has since been in custody awaiting trial. Prosecutors made a motion to move the venue from Petersburg to Juneau. Superior Court Judge William Carey ruled favorably on that motion. I think it was essentially agreed that the trial, by all concerned, and I agreed somewhat reluctantly that the case would be tried in Juneau. Petersburg's courthouse is normally the venue for Cake's criminal cases. But District Attorney Angie Kemp pointed out that courthouses in Juneau and Ketchikan were the only ones in the region currently able to host a felony jury trial with COVID precautions. Most of the prosecution's witnesses live in other parts of Alaska or out of state. And she argued that the pandemic may make it difficult to seat a 12-person jury in Petersburg. In a related development, Kerry also ruled that the victim's 77-year-old grandmother, Mary Williams, could give testimony via video conference, potentially before the trial. That's based on the state's concerns with her health and ability to travel from Anchorage to testify. Isaac David Friday's defense attorney opposed that motion, saying it would violate his constitutional right to confront and cross-examine a potentially hostile witness in person. The victim, Williams, was living at her grandmother's house when she died. Her grandmother is expected to testify about the young woman's relationship with the man accused of killing her. Another witness for the prosecution is the state's medical examiner, expected to testify that Williams was strangled and had other injuries consistent with a physical struggle. A tentative trial date has been set for July 13th. In Petersburg, I'm Joe Vicknicki. Displaced Haines residents have begun using a temporary road to access properties on the other side of a landslide that destroyed four houses and killed two people last month. As KHNS's Henry Leisure reports, residents are taking advantage of a four-day window to collect trucks, boats, snow machines, and other belongings. Last week, the Hainesboro authorized the construction of a temporary road across the Beach Road landslide on the condition that residents use it at their own risk. Southeast Road Builders manager Roger Schnabel spent the weekend diverting water, installing culverts, and stabilizing the path for the road. People began driving across it at noon on Monday. Two vehicles coming up. 
it down, first one hauling a trailer or a boat. Thank you, Renee. You're welcome. Haynes resident Diane LaCourse is helping to direct traffic at the entrance to the slide area. Vehicles cross one at a time. So everybody is signed in and signed out. And we keep track of if anybody's going to spend the night in there. So the whole idea is that there's a, a good stream of accountability to know who's in there at any given time. Beach Road residents developed a safety plan for using the temporary access road. It includes hillside monitors looking for movement, flaggers, and an extraction crew in case any vehicle gets stuck while crossing. Drivers in transit must maintain communication by phone or radio with volunteers directing traffic. And the road is open from 8 a.m. to 4 p.m. each day. Yes. Do you want the studded tires for your van? You might as well, Art. Put them right in the van. Okay, sure. Okay. Yeah. Art Woodard's home on Beach Road is at the other side of the landslide. He used the temporary road to collect his vehicles and other belongings. Right now we're just trying to make our life outside easier, so to speak. Yeah. And the vehicles are going to make a big difference, huge difference. Plus, uh, you know, little things and uh, paperwork that we need to get done. All these different things, you know, that were always there for us. We're now having to come back in and pick them up periodically. Not everyone supported clearing a temporary road across the landslide. The Haines Emergency Operations Center opposed construction based on advice from geologists who say there is still an imminent threat of another slide. They identified a crack in the bedrock on the hillside, and material came downhill last week during heavy rains before the temperature dropped below freezing. But Woodard says he doesn't want to live in fear of risks that are uncertain. We live on a dynamic planet. We happen to live in this landslide zone. And as far as I'm concerned, for the 15 years that I've been living, it could happen at any time. And when the most dangerous time to be here was just before the landslide happened, and nobody knew it. Beach Road residents are operating on a tight schedule as they try to collect belongings. At this point, the plan is to close the road down again on Friday. But it could close at any time if there is movement on the hillside or weather conditions change for the worse. Meanwhile, the Alaska Department of Transportation and the Hainsborough have commissioned an assessment of the geological hazards to help make decisions about the future of Beach Road. In Haines, I'm Henry Leisha. Taking a look at the community calendar. Sitka Public Library's Preschool Story Quilt is published at the Sitka Public Library and Sitka Babies and Books Facebook pages, 10.30 a.m. Thursday, January 28th. Hibernation is the theme. The short recorded program includes rhymes, songs, and a reading with permission of a publisher. For more information, call Maite at 747-4022. A Project Homeless Connect planning meeting sponsored by Sitka Outreach and Support Lifeline Group is at 2 p.m. today via Zoom. Contact Julia Smith at 738-6336 or eastergroup at gmail.com for more information. I'm Erin Fulton, and this has been Raven News.